Pushkin. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM, let's create. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm Sam Fragoso, and thank you for being here. This week on the program, we're delighted to have the wonderful actor Martin Starr. Born in Santa Monica, California, Starr's success came early on a show you may have heard of called Freaks and Geeks. Although it was a program quickly canceled due to low ratings in 1999, it has since gone on to become widely beloved. On it, Starr played a bespectacled, TV-crazed teen who'd rather spend Friday nights talking about Star Wars than talking to the opposite sex. Contrary to many in similar positions, Star moved on from that iconic role. He was not defined by Bill Havichuk. Throughout the 2000s, Star found footing both in film and TV. He made guest appearances on everything from King of the Hill to How I Met Your Mother, or had roles in the films of Judd Apatow or Walk Hard Dewey Cox, or a personal favorite of mine, Adventureland. Martin Starr in his 20s was often presented as stoned and laconic, a force of dry wit and endless sarcasm. To some extent, this persona has continued into the new decade, where Starr has gained recognition for his work on Silicon Valley. In Mike Judge's hit HBO show, Starr plays Gilfoyle, a gifted programmer fueled by deadpan. Here's a clip. How'd it go? Uh, not well. All right, then. What do you, what do you mean? What are, you, what are you doing? Well, first, I'm changing my LinkedIn status to looking for work. 
That box is artless commerce. I won't be a party to it. So you're just going to quit? Just like that? How, how can you do that? By saying the words I and quit in conjunction together, i.e., I quit. Well, there's actually some paperwork involved. Hey, can I have that USB missile launcher? I'll just fish it out of the trash later. Gilfoyle, come on. Give me some time to figure a way out of this, because if you quit now, you're going to lose all your shares. And, and what if Barker changes his mind and lets us build the platform? And the odds of that are... Oh, already? Recruiters move fast these days. What's intrigued me about Starr is not merely his abilities as an actor, both comedic and dramatic. It's his curiosity, or at least his perceived curiosity. We had not met prior to this recording, but I always had this sense that he was someone deeply engaged with the world around him. Someone interested in trying to figure out how we're supposed to navigate the messiness of existence. Strangely, as you'll hear in this conversation, my gut was kind of right. A note on the audio front, though. We recorded this at the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco, where people were getting ready to open the theater. It was a great and unique setting to have a conversation, but as a result, there is some background noise that we don't generally have on this show. Still, we cover a whole lot of ground here, like growing up inside Freaks and Geeks, the difficulty of early success, a bad real estate deal, staving off depression, Buddhism, and a whole bunch more. But first, we talk about the inner workings of the heart and mind. Because, of course we do. So, finally, here is Martin Starr. Hi, Martin. All right, how are you? Uh... Pretty good. We can pretend like we haven't. We just met right now, and you. Sam, down. I've known you for a long time. Yeah, I, some would say too long. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've known you for a, a fair amount of time. I'm happy to know you. About thirty-three minutes. About thirty-three minutes. Yeah. Uh, most of which you were upstairs doing a Q and A. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But you were in my heart. Hmm. That's good. That's yeah. good. I like to be yeah. in people's hearts. Not mine, though. No. Just in the heart. Did not think about you. Mm. But technically, the brain or the uh, heart has brain matter in it. Is that true? Yeah. Which is how the heart continues to beat even after you can be brain dead. That makes sense. It has its own timing mechanism. It has a think. It has a thinker. How come I didn't know that? I I only read about it recently, maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that the, that the science had been out there for a long time, but um, I I only heard about it. Is that something recently. you you would read about often? Are you are you someone interested in like how the brain works and the body operates? I think that was something that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think somebody used it in reference to like using your heart, like follow your heart. Oh, okay. That your heart actually, that there is some level of ability to follow your heart, that the heart may actually feel something, if that makes sense, that there, that there, there might be something behind the feeling coming from the heart, <laughs> even though in reality there probably isn't. It's just a timing mechanism that holds, that holds uh, you know, the structure to continuing to keep the heart moving while you're brain dead. Can it be both? I mean, who knows, man? Maybe the, I mean, maybe there is a little bit of brain matter in there that, that really could drive a decision-making where you could use your heart over your brain. Hmm. The heart uh, quote, by the way, like, follow your heart. Yeah. Do you buy that? 
Do you follow? Do you follow? Oh yeah, I, I, I think I've followed my heart to this point on the good decisions that I've made and the bad ones. Probably not as many bad ones were were directed by my heart. Hmm. I think the heart the heart tends to guide from a pure, honest love i mean i mean essentially that's what it is Mm. you follow if you follow if you do what you love if you you know if you create of you know the things that you do that create value i feel like are derived of love sometimes right (laughs) i don't know i wonder is that operate i I love acting and somehow i've ended up being able to do that for a living yeah that's Um, something and when you you know do something nice for someone else, it's out of compassion and love. I would say those are moments of of heartfelt Although, guidance. Isn't your theory operating under the assumption that everyone's heart is coming from like an altruistic place? Like if you follow your heart and listen, I think so. But do you think like there's a there's a darkness to you? Because like there's jealousy, which you could argue has some relative nature to the heart, because the heart's involved in love. And if you've been scorned, then you're somehow following your the darkest part of your heart into vengeance and jealousy but I think in reality love is love is altruistic your heart is altruistic your desire to to be for others what you want them to be for you and to give to others what you would want for yourself and to take care of others the way you'd want to be taken care of um, that's all valuable of course there's also tough love I I mean the (laughs) this conversation could take the entire podcast (laughs) It could, it could. Though it is interesting in the context of this movie, uh, where you, you know, being a child forever, like, can you fathom that being a reality? I mean, no, but it is in the movie. For the for the purpose of storytelling, it is in the movie. Um, but it plays very interestingly with like development. And how we process emotions and how we're supposed to evolve, but other times can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, going into this film, like, what what is your thought process of taking it on? Are you thinking like, oh, this is an interesting concept, or this is an interesting take on how we're supposed to evolve as people, but somehow remain stunted? Um. Yeah, I mean, I I think there are often times where we miss opportunity to grow intentionally because we're stuck in a cycle that that we feel comfortable in and it's hard to break cycles it's hard to change I recently just moved I'd been living in the same place for a long time and I just moved and even that change which was a positive change I was moving into a, a you know a bigger place with a backyard and like you know, I'd spent a lot of time looking for a place that, that fit my needs, and this this was like a dream um, home to live in. And it still is weird. Like, the, the move is just, like, strange, and I almost want to go back. To your old house. Yeah, to the, to, the, to, to the way it was, just because it was familiar, um, which is a lazy way to live life. But... But like that's what we get stuck in is like it's it's hard it's hard to it's hard to move forward it's hard to make progress it's hard to love 
Well, it's also it, it lazy is interesting, but it it doesn't. To me, it feels lazy because I I, I uh, attribute a lot of my bad decisions to just being lazy. Like I I didn't do my homework when I was a kid, and that was. There are times where I feel like I do that in life now. That that set a really bad example in life, where I was like, oh, I'm just not going to do this because I don't have to. Like what what teach? Like I'm not going to die if I get an F. Right. You know. And if that's the rationale, always like. If I don't do this, it's fine. I'm not going to die. Yeah. You literally could just do nothing. Correct. Until you like atrophy and, and then die. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that I was doing nothing. I was just doing what I wanted to do. Right. Which in some ways was really valuable. I used my imagination. Instead of doing homework, I was playing with my toys. And that probably helped lead to me being, uh, you know, as capable at or, or as wanting of my desire in, in the acting um, play world. That probably all plays into each other. Had I been a book nerd or a you know, uh, um, you know, a study nerd, it would have been would have been a different kind of nerd, and I, w- I probably wouldn't be as excited by storytelling as I am. Well, it seems like it's worked out, but you're in a weird middle ground where you recognize the maybe bad behavior or or the behavior that doesn't push you forward, mm-hmm. and yet you have done a lot of good things. So it's like how feel do you okay yeah I mean how, how do you like how do you find both are the true ground yeah I mean I'm sure both would have been possible um, but I followed my heart at that point I did okay but but there are definitely times where I can feel my stunted my stunted development catch up hmm. do you find yourself being like a, a nostalgic person yeah. I mean, we all like happen upon a picture book from our childhood. We're like, "Oh shit, I forgot that happened." That's it's fun. It's hard to look at that and not. I always get so emotional. Every yeah, time I look at old pictures of like an old video of me with my dad. Especially the times that you can't get back the people that might not be in your life anymore or may not be around at all anymore. Like those are. Those are interesting and usually really sad uh, experiences. But then there's also the joy of knowing that you got to live that in the first place. And that's maturity. Correct, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like kind of there. I don't know. I'm How old are you? 22. You carry yourself like a more mature gentleman. Well, Martin... You know, we're on a podcast. I have to be. Uh, what? We're on a podcast. I mean, I have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now they know how you carry yourself. There you go. Uh, this actually is something that I was thinking about is in regards to nostalgia or your past and doing research for this. I noticed like a lot of conversations you have with press um, are about the past. They're about. Really? Yeah, they're oft- oh. they're often about freaks and geeks. They're often about your child acting. They're about your sort of ap- apatow surge moment. Mm-hmm. Does that bother you? No, why would it? I don't know because it doesn't seem. It seems to like neglect the present in a way. I mean, that was a big part of my development. I learned a lot. If it, if it wasn't for that experience, regardless of the way people view it now and, and the success that it's seen. Um, in in people's hearts and lives since 
the experience itself was incredible for me. I, I mean, I, I grew so much from the people that I was around when I was you know, very impressionable at 16. Right. So that was really valuable. And also just to like set, set the stage for the rest of my life in this business to like, A, have an opportunity to be a part of um, a storytelling world that, that I love. But also to do it in a way where people are really passionate about it. Because I, I think there's a lot of distraction in this business. Success brings fame, money, desire, um, which aren't things that drive me. And I don't know that I would have those same, the same foundation and structure for continuing that path that I had been on already, which was, you know, the pure desire and passion and love for this. Um, if I had, if I had first started off on a show where everybody was just trying to find fame, success and money, I think I would have found that to be, you know, the new altar to which, um, I, I found my drive by nature of looking up to those people. Some of that at least would have seeped in. And because I was around people who were, who, you know, I mean, Paul, Paul Figo's most pure hearted, loving, caring, nurturing individual. And he and Judd together really just wanted to make the best possible show and, and take care of the people that they brought on to do it with. And, and we were all kids, so they really helped protect us from the, the difficult things that they were going through trying to make the show. And, you know, that all just helped forge my determination and my desire and, and reinforce how I already felt at that point. Mm. Um, so I was very lucky, very lucky to work with them right out of the gate because it could have been a totally different world. Did they feel like surrogate parents in a way on set? Oh, yeah. Oh, Yeah. The, the the whole crew really you know the entire group that was there you know will there will be that bond forever you mentioned like being 16 uh -huh. and, I, and I'm thinking like that is maybe the most impressionable age where like it's you, pretty impressionable and you're like taking in so much and you're like deciding how to be an adult. You're like really making the things that you're deciding then. Right. You can see it. When you're a kid, you're like, fuck, I want to be an adult. I want to be an adult. And, and, and it's so far out of reach that, that it's not really possible. Right. And when you're at that age, you're like, oh, shit, I got keys to a car. I'm fucking, I'm independent. I can go where I want. <laughs> like, I'm going to be an adult any fucking day now. And you're, you're like getting ready to do it yeah but it's also a bit of an illusion right Cause it's like 16 oh, yeah. is you're kind of there but you're also not you're in a weird middle ground of yeah not, not quite adulthood nobody sees you as an adult yet. no but you try to see yourself as one. yeah but you're like i got this guys <laughs> i fucking got this i got a car yeah i'm uh by mom and dad oh sure i'll be back at 11 i'm an adult doesn't fucking matter <laughs> maybe i'll be back at 11 30 uh but it's uh yeah. I guess my question was on that note. Like, since you are so impressionable at that age, it's like that's a hard 
age to be alive and, and to be growing in development. And I'm wondering how it, how much being on like a set affects that. Like, because everyone goes to high school pretty much, unless you're homeschooled. Yeah. So there is a um, shared experience of like, oh, we all have these shitty classes, and maybe you're bullied, maybe you're not bullied. You had a rather different experience where you're taking in more than most people do at that age. Oh yeah. It's. I, I went to a lot of different schools up until that point. So I think I, I had always had like um, a rocky road that I'd traveled down for as far as education. Um, and it was never really easy for me for some reason. I mean, I didn't finish my homework. I didn't like it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand the concept of let me teach you this thing. Let me make sure you got it. You do it on your own. Now, do it a hundred thousand more times. <laughs> I was, I didn't, that didn't make sense to me. I was like, I got it. Teach me something else. Yeah. Let's keep going. It has nothing to do with intellectualism and all about uh, memorization. Yeah. And, and, and for me, routine. it was drive. Yeah. It was, and, and, and it all makes sense now, understanding how the brain works. Um, that's the best way to cement a, a life lesson is to just do it over and over and over again. But, I I was a kid and hungry, so the monotony of it was torture, and and I probably had some attention deficit situation due to television and and you know other societal factors, um, which was probably really good. That when I was growing up, I listened to radio a lot, which I'm glad it kind of has a resurgence with podcasts, but. Um, I'd listen to uh, like old radio shows when I was going to sleep at night. My dad's uh, our TV broke. Hmm. Don't know what this has to do with anything, but radio <laughs> shows are the shit. Um, do you ever think about why you're taking uh, why you're taking in so much? No, I just I, it's just hunger. It's like normal curiosity, right? Childish curiosity, which hopefully never leaves. There are definitely the times where it is gone I'm the least happy that's probably when I've been the most depressed in my life is when I don't care to learn to right. when I'm not hungry for information for you know just new intake it's the worst I think it goes in waves too yeah because you'll have at least for me like I'll go a month where I'm like what did I do nothing I yeah. listen to <laughs> excites me nothing I'm watching excites me yeah and then all of a sudden something will appear and you're like holy shit yeah I now like have a framework for my life again yeah in some strange way that sounds silly but it's kind of true yeah it can happen in different forms too uh, yeah it is it is interesting it's best when it happens in people I think mm-hmm. when someone like excites you yeah and you're fun you're finding fun and exploring a new friendship or a new relationship those are fun those are fun experiences for sure at that age were you lonely i think i've always been lonely i feel like i was trained to be lonely as an only child and not feeling like i fit in in, in school so you just kind of are lonely <laughs> it just kind of became a staple in my existence there are just times where I know how to deal with it better and breaking free of the shackles of solidarity or confinement that I put myself through 
and going out and being a member of society and, and being a part of my friend group and, and putting myself out there in ways that my lazy self may not want to, those help unburden me of depression. Mm. Those, those decisions. It takes time to like learn that stuff, man. I went through like some serious depression when I was like 19 and first lived on my own. Or, yeah, 18, 19. I'd moved out earlier and I lived with a roommate. And then when I first lived on my own, right. I like, I just didn't, I smoked weed. I closed all the curtains and turned the phone off. I was like, how come no one's calling me? <laughs> how come I'm so lonely all the time? <laughs> And I'd play video games until the wee morning hours. That's also like a... I was living like a vampire. Mm. Those odd hours. Daytime sleep, yeah. yeah. I've done that before. Yeah, that that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it doesn't work. 19 is pretty early to live alone. Yeah, I mean, I moved out at 17. Okay, so Freaks and Geeks ends just for timeline-wise. You, you start at 16. We started at 16. I was in my... Uh, sophomore year of high school then I went to I did some weird school hopping and then um, when I was 17 because I I turned 18 in the summer so I had kind of like a summer of being 17 and moving I'd moved out already mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah that was it was fun I mean, that's really where I started smoking a lot of weed. Because my roommate at that point smoked a lot of weed. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Do you remember how exciting it was? Like the to, first... Like to, in the to beginning? To live on my own? Yeah. No, oh, no, just like to smoke weed in the beginning. Yeah, but it was also like... I mean, I still think it is escapism at its finest. Like, there is a there is like a healthy level of... Because there are people who, you know, make their make a lot of their decisions smoking weed all of the time right um i don't know how that's possible yeah maybe not a lot of people but there are some people who have just tamed tamed that mentality i've tried it i I can't you just have to like commit to it i mean that's the only difference is they're like i'm gonna just keep smoking weed all of the time i'm gonna go from being paranoid during the day when i'm out in public smoking weed to just like conquer it and say fuck it yes i'm stoned all the time (laughs) and you have to deal with it. Um, Is that your state of mind? Never. It wasn't then. It isn't now. I, I reached, I enjoyed it for a long time. And then um, I just reached a point where I wasn't enjoying it. I, it was, I got paranoid, felt like I was, I mean, I was definitely hearing things that weren't being said. And it just made me feel like I was being picked on in my own life. But it was by it. It was a drug. It was my own mental, um, my own mental state. My brain was just playing tricks on me when I was when I was high. So I stopped smoking. Hmm. Um, but yeah, some some people just do it and are very successful. And and you know, it it isn't necessarily a hindrance to everybody, the way it was for me. But. You know, it is what it to, to me. It's this like I think there is an argument for it being of the earth and it's healthier and and has medicinal properties and can be valuable. But I, but it really is everything in in, um, in moderation. Right. 
where in your 20s in this weed phase or, or, or also you moving out and being alone where did you or was there an age where you're like okay I'm kind of comfortable with where I'm at I feel okay about myself the depression is subsided a little bit I don't know it's, I feel like it's always there I don't know that it'll ever I mean unless I were to take medication or something which I'm adverse to yeah um, I always find it doesn't work you what I don't I, I've tried it once or twice and it doesn't really work. no I mean I, I, uh, I know people who use it successfully and it, and it seems to be you know a tool a really valuable tool um I, I, I perhaps haven't felt the same, you know, level of, of, uh, of, of, you know, deep depression or, or, you know, we're going through different things. So for them it works. And, and for me, I'm, I'm, I've never actually tried it, but I just made the choice myself that I don't need it. Right. Um, and that may or may not be accurate. It may have been a great tool had I found it, you know, earlier on, um, but I also think there are there are really like simple mistakes that I made that led me to depression. Opening the curtains, not sleeping during the day, like there are simple things that would have altered the course of my life at that point, um, and I would have been a lot happier uh, right. and a lot more successful in the endeavors that I chose to take on. But success is the thing that you keep kind of brushing it like you want it but it, it's also something you mentioned in the beginning where like fame and money th- those were not objects for you money is great money is like a fun <laughs> thing but it, it doesn't solve any problems no um and i feel like it's all it, it it creates convenience perhaps it does and it makes it easier to kind of create more problems if you know unless you're just driven by money which i'm not some people a little bit is like a taste and then they're like yes i need more give me more and then they just fight and and perhaps you know i mean in my opinion not in a very healthy way i, I don't think money should be the drive of of anyone but i but who am i right to say i mean but you had it at an early age yes and no i mean i went broke i the so like i i had a level of success but on a show that nobody watched on a on a network that shunned us um, um, and it was a great experience other than other than that mm. and that was actually probably the, a really great part of the experience that it didn't that it didn't find its footing it's probably an invaluable right um, aspect of that whole situation that had we found our footing that show could have gone for 12 years and I would never not be able to be that yeah, character in my career, um, and so there's a fortune to it all for me personally because I I think that there was something there was something there that really clicked, um, and I don't I don't know that I would have ever been able to undo the vision in the business and been able to to try as much. Of course, you know what do I know? We didn't go down that path, so we'll never know. Mm. When did you go broke? Uh, when I was like early twenties, I went. I went broke. I I had bought a. My mom influenced me to put money into into property, and so I bought a condo, pretty young, and then 
I went broke shortly thereafter. Um, so the property didn't work out? No, the property was fine. I just had to rent it out. So I, so I went broke there, and I had kind of two options. One, try and sell it, or two, um, get some someone to rent it. And so I ended up doing the latter and uh, moved back in with my mom. And so that was super fun to, like, have independence and then move back right. to that. That was also, like, a deep depression that was um, spurred on by that experience. Um, yeah, but it's been a series of ups and downs, which are always really valuable. If you don't have adversity, you don't really grow. If things are too easy, you know... I've I've found that kind of lately I've had some of that like I I haven't fought as hard lately as I did when I had to fight and what do you mean by that I mean like you I've been really fortunate you know this is the first time I've really seen success in the way that that you know we're experiencing on Silicon Valley and it's just a unique experience it's a it's a really unique experience and it can be damning and detrimental to to your development if you let it which is kind of what I'm experiencing maybe maybe because um I don't know because I it, perhaps it was a little easier for me than it than it is for for most people because I'm noticing that I I, th- I think I'm experiencing it alone as far as the people that I'm working with on the show and I had very different experiences from all of them in that they fought for so long. And there is this, like, they had to cement their determination um, and passion mm-hmm. because they've, they've been fighting for it for so long. And I was very fortunate very early on to, you know, be someone who was, like, 16 years old, not sure what was going to happen with the rest of my life, and watch a dream come true and not wonder for too long whether it would and and so i took for granted the fight that it takes um and then i had to fight for it for a long time and now it's happened again but in a in a real kind of way where that was like the illusion of it being on a show on nbc like a big network and thinking oh this is it and then it all disappearing and now I certainly respect this opportunity a lot more, but it also has led me to like not, I don't know, I, I only kind of realized this recently, that, that it's, um, that I, I have perhaps just been a little bit um, lenient on my own drive and ambition because I feel comfortable. I feel happy. I'm yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining this very well, but... I think you are. No, I think you are. It's but been, um, do yeah. You, do you feel guilty? No, I don't feel guilty. I feel fortunate to be aware of it now. Mm-hmm. And now, and, and I feel different now. Because it's just like this itch. Like, I don't know what's missing. And then recently I was like, oh, wait a second, the puzzle's not complete. I haven't, I haven't filled out this whole side of it. And, and so now I'm like digging through the pieces of jigsaw puzzle to like start figuring it out again and that's fun that's always the fun part <laughs> if that makes sense it makes sense yeah is there a part of you that thinks like you've sort of 
like ambled into success? I've been very lucky. I, I'll never not admit that. I don't think, you know, I think talent is arguable and in the eye of the beholder. And, um, you know, success can often be driven purely by drive and ambition and, and determination. Um, but I've I've been on the luckier side of things. And, and I've had ambition and had drive and determination but they've kind of come come in uh ebbs and flows Mm. um and in those waves sometimes it's like great and like i i need it because my life needs it because i i need a change i feel pinned against the wall and and then there are times like currently where i feel satisfied and perhaps that's that personally that can be a detriment to my growth because i then i'm like not fighting for what I need because right. I don't need it if that makes sense like I've, I've got a f- I've got a plate of food in front of me and somebody's like w- you want to go hunt this wild boar with me and I'm like I'm good I, I'm eating I'm pretty good <laughs> so like I'm not as like hungry for that was a super weird <laughs> analogy or metaphor for <laughs> for what life is but I was only a little um, bit confused yeah, by it but oh I, it's super confusing I understood I, it, it, it it barely it makes, makes sense it, it, uh, it registers don't worry um, but yeah, the, the, yeah, whatever. I've, I've, I feel good now. In the 2000s, do you remember, uh, a stretch? You're talking about the ebbs and flows and the waves. Do you remember a wave hitting where you're like, Oh fuck, this feels good. This is why I wanted to act and to tell stories. Cause like as an outsider, there's a clear time to me where I'm like, Oh, you're doing like, Stuff that I remember being deeply moved by. You're talking about Freaks and Geeks specifically? No. Oh. I'm talking about actually kind of knocked up to Adventureland. Was that like 2007? Mm-hmm. I think especially Adventureland. I loved Adventureland. That was a really great experience. I was I was hungry. I mean, that was... And I got to work with Greg and, and, uh, and Bill, and I met one of my best friends on that movie, uh, Matt Bush who he and I have been writing together um, and sold um, a show recently that, you know, we'll find out soon whether that gets um, an opportunity to to get on its feet. Um, it's a cartoon. It's an animated uh, TV show with um, Chris Pernowski at Titmouse. Okay. And I've, I'm a huge fan of the stuff that they do, um, but also just him as a person. Like, Chris is awesome and it's no surprise that you know he worked with and 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 is familiar with you know friends with mike uh judge and and happens to just have an amazing pedigree um so it's been fun working with him and getting to know him and it's interesting too like from it's as a writer the difference in the experience um, and the storytelling, um, it's just fun learning, learning new, developing new attributes mm. in storytelling and, and learning from other people how to do things. He's been an invaluable resource, uh, Chris. His notes have been really fun. He like, like you write a story out and you're like, I think we did a pretty good job. And then you get his notes back. And you're like, 
oh fuck we missed so many things we missed so many things that like are blatantly obvious like of course <laughs> thank you for reading it like clearly we just didn't read it <laughs> you know well it's called the red i mean in journalism i was taught like it's the red team it's the, the red team it's the red team in that um you and your screenwriter the editor no no you and matt uh, write oh, the script right uh, and then you have someone who has not looked at it at all yeah. come in and the red team comes in and like, oh, okay, you missed this, this, and this, and yeah. this. Because when you're entrenched in something, you can't, you can't see it. It's funny, too, even like when he and I are going back and forth, there are times where I'll think that I've done a good job kind of implementing my thoughts and jokes or ideas into um, what we already had. And somehow I've like I've like deconstructed part of it in a way that isn't valuable, and and so then he and I will have to go back and kind of either re-implement the idea that I had if we like it together, unified, or or kind of cut it because it it detracts from what what was already on the page mm. um, and the story that we're trying to tell as a whole. It sounds like you're pushing yourself there in the same way that you were pushing yourself on Adventureland. And that, like, it fit to me as an outsider, as a viewer, that role seemed like, okay, I want to do something else now. Yeah. And it was very. I find that movie to be really incredible. Still, it has has real weight and emotional depth to it. I mean, it's a real story from Greg Matola's heart and life. It's good. I want him to write more. Yeah, you've been part of so many projects. Do you know when you're on set, like things are going, like it has movement to it that it feels good, that feels substantive? Yes. I mean, uh, when it feels good, that's a part of the sign. But even, you know, seeing something like I'll See You in My Dreams, which I had the fortune of being a part of with Blythe Danner and Sam Elliott and, um, and Brett Haley directed it. I didn't know as we were going through that experience that Brett would have the awareness and wisdom to edit the fuck out of that movie. Like, that movie flies. It doesn't... You know, a lot of times when you watch something, the first go-round, people have trouble figuring out exactly, you know, what that story was that they were trying to tell initially. Like, they lose track of it. Um, and by first go-around, I mean like a first-time director. And he he came from the editing world, and so he just sat down with it. And he made it what it, what it was, and it, and it just flies. I, I was really pleasantly surprised at how capable he was, because you can't guess it, you know. Not, not to take away from, you know, his talent as a director that I didn't expect it to be that good but I think it was more just that you really don't know until and I think at that point I had also experienced you know some like um, perhaps being a bigger part of the editing process and 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 watching the development and that kind of changed my perception of it so I think that changed my expectations because um, I had initially had only worked with you know, Paul and Judd, who did such a phenomenal job putting those stories together. And not everybody does it quite that well. And I think Brett Haley 
is one of the guys who who uh, is tremendous, or or you know at the very least I can say that with I'll see you in my dreams, he did a tremendous job piecing that together. Yeah, I I don't remember what your question was, but I I certainly do have uh, I agree with you. I, I there are a lot of things that I am very proud of. Yeah, I mean you've also I'm sure had times where you did something on set and you're like oh that went well and then you watched it at a festival or, or you know wherever it premieres and you're like yeah that didn't that doesn't seem i think there's some decisions for example in this movie that uh in, in infinity baby that i'm i i don't know yeah i mean it's 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 you you have to take chances you have to you have to you know mix some chemicals and, and experiment a little bit to see if things work and you try it and I think I've been lucky that a lot of things have worked and, and you can't be right every time and I I mean most of all I think with this movie I, I would have felt different and it would have looked different and, and felt different to the viewer if I hadn't had a beard for it I, I don't know that it feels like in character in this movie for me to have a big beard so, so that's something that was off-putting, having seen it for the first time last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to try things. And I don't think I had a choice. As I recall, I needed the beard for what I was going into shortly thereafter. So sometimes it's just an unfortunate uh, turn of events that, that leave you kind of stuck in a, in a choice that if, if I want to be a part of that movie, I have to make a concession and, and perhaps not which maybe I shouldn't have done. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Those are bigger questions, I guess. But I, I was going from that into Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and I had to have a beard for Silicon Valley, so I think I kind of made a decision and committed to it and convinced myself that that was right because of that. Why do you think Silicon Valley works so well? Well, you have four guys who all knew each other for a long time, and then me. And so their chemi- <laughs> their chemistry is is innate, and I'm an outsider in it right. anyway. But you know, by the way, this seems to fit in. Uh, this aligns with your life in total. Uh-huh. Uh, that you seem to constantly, at least in what you've told me in the last forty four minutes, is that you seem to always place yourself, sometimes by choice or not by choice, as uh, the outsider. Do I? Yeah, oh. yeah. You I mean you mentioned it a few times as a kid oh. going to different schools or? Oh right. Yeah, I would say it's always not by choice. I mean, I, I you it's could always argue, not by choice. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that t- I had the choice whether or not to take this job right. on Silicon Valley. The only child was definitely not your choice. Correct. That was not my choice, but that perhaps set up all of these experiences, and that being a, a you know a tie-in to everything, a through line to you my gave entire such life a, being an outsider. You gave such an exasperated smile right there. Did I? Did You're I, just I, like, yeah. oh, uh, fucking, thanks, mom and dad. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, on this show in particular, being an outsider is uh, what was an initial moment, and then that faded pretty quickly um, as I, I knew Kumail a little bit. Thomas had uh, Thomas and I had met before at an audition, um, which I hadn't fully remembered, but... Um, and... 
<laughs> I, I don't know why I said that. Um, I was just regretting it for that silence yeah. that you witnessed. Um, I, I witnessed it. Yeah. Um, and TJ I knew peripherally, um, and, uh, and we had some good friends in common, and Zach I had never met before. But all those guys had some links together and had either done stand-up or improv or performed together in some capacity um, prior and had known each other prior. Um, and you're, so you're coming in fairly cold to, yeah. to that situation. Yes, but, but we all just, it all clicked. Um, I didn't, I, th- I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think we were all just uh, excited at this opportunity. And it also evolved in such a great way because initially the script was very different like the initial pilot was very very different um it involved like these this like offshoot of two girls to like to to like um money you know like gold digging girls who were trying to meet rich nerds or potentially rich nerds and so they were going to be like this big b storyline throughout you know at least the first season but i assume kind of forever but that was the pilot the way it set up and then it was it didn't make sense like i i remember reading it and it not there was something off about it right and i didn't pinpoint that it was that it doesn't make sense as you describe it right now yeah which is which is kind of the development of the show and what makes it what it is is that hbo and mike and um you know there were two other producer writers involved Alt Truler and Krinsky who who kind of in the in the chess game or in the that's not the right like there was kind of like a swap out basically right. and HBO um, you know I, th- I think Mike uh, there, there was communication to try and figure out exactly what the next step was if there was a next step after kind of seeing that pilot and it not feeling right, like is is there something salvageable in this story? You know, um, can we figure this out? Is this a puzzle we can we can crack? And and then um, you know, I think that brought on uh, Alec Berg and um, Altshuler and Krinsky kind of dropped out of the equation, and so they they kind of swapped out pieces and tried something new, um, and uh, you know they had brought something great to the table um and alec also brings something great to the table so it wasn't uh i don't know but but whatever kind of happened that helped evolve into where we are now and and developed the depth of the story as we see it now people's responses have been so wild and like rabid like people loved the show yeah yeah i mean it's really fun to be a part of. Uh, Do you have any concerns about the thing happening that didn't happen with Freaks and Geeks but could have happened if Freaks and Geeks went 10 seasons? Where like, Do I have any concern with it? No, you know how you're talking about if Freaks and Geeks went on for 10 uh-huh. seasons, Yeah, yeah. there's a chance people look at you and you're like, yep, that is the kid from Freaks I, and Geeks. Well, I and think it's harder. Now I have a... I mean, at this point... I think I have enough of a track record or experience that it's um, 
I don't know that it's not uh, it's not a fear anymore. I think it was a fear at that point because I didn't a I didn't know the business very well, and b I think when you're a child growing into becoming a man, you you can like that's and and your introduction to a lot of people can be it if that introduction is kind of heavy-handed, which you know being on something for that long then that becomes it that becomes all that you're capable of so i don't think i i feel like i get to stretch my wings and and fly um and play with with other characters and and have other opportunities regardless i i do feel like this is just a kind of a gateway drug so to speak um and it'll you know if played right will allow me to do all of the things that I want to do I think that 10 seasons would be an amazing thing to have happen right but, but even more so regardless of that the fun of it is this this experience is so great you know like it, I, I don't even even if that was a sacrifice I might have to make it'd be worth it for the fun that we get to have every time we go back and work where does Buddhism where is it? Where, where does Buddhism? Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> where does Buddhism fit into your like thought process or headspace when you're navigating work and uh, your life? Sometimes it's ever present, which I know that's a contradiction. Um, <laughs> if it's ever present, it can't sometimes be there, I guess. But I would say I sometimes like, I'm aware of it. I like that idea. Yes, but it sometimes is sometimes ever present. It is it is ever present, and sometimes I'm aware of it. Um, is is the most accurate way to put it. So it just kind of depends. But but uh, I try and keep my awareness, my 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 third eye, uh, squeegeed, as uh, one of my favorite comedians used to say. <laughs> Has it helped you with? depression oh certainly I think just having the the deep seated awareness of my own humanity and uh, and kind of coming back to a place of compassion not only with other people but compassion for myself because I think so many it's it's such a weird fucking world we're 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 in such a weird society, and the American dream is bullshit. Um, it's all like greed. The 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 drive to become rich and powerful is what is that for? To what end? Because now we've have so many people that have met that end, and and a they're they're probably miserable people who are living on uh, you know superficial desire for happiness. And what does that do? I don't know how I got into like a huge political conversation here, but um, it it because it's not political. It's a weird. It's you're, a, you're talking about something talking that about is, humanity. You're talking about what something that's both desire and emotions and where spirituality fits into that, and it and it fuels some of it. It absolutely does. But the the greed of it all, I mean, has led us to where we are now politically with with our president and the fact that we can be run by a government that doesn't care about the people it's all like taxes um television um the the media the there are all of these things that kind of play into 
keeping you unaware of what's really important, which is human connection and progress, internal and external progress, and and being and creating a better person and a better world, which we're all capable of doing together um, and individually. Uh, I don't know if that got too deep here, but um, do you think you have enough human connection? Sometimes we all miss it when, when, you know, you get depressed. Like that's exactly what that is, is just longing for connection. When you recognize, as soon as you recognize you're not the only person going through that, it evaporates. The power of that depression evaporates when you say, oh, wait a second. This isn't about me. When it's about you, that's when it hits. And I don't have the same drive as like some people are just driven by by money, by success, by fame, by... And that's not who I am. So this hasn't been... Um, I, I haven't, like, achieving the success that the show has achieved is, is... It's let me kind of sit back and enjoy a little too much. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm, you know... Some people are like, oh, I have a taste of it, I want more. And I've and I've been like, oh, this is great. Like I can, I've been able to, you know, now um, put energy into property and and owning um, owning a home, owning a little bit of land, and and which was a huge challenge for you dog. still though, even though yeah, even oh, though it fucking sucks, even though you've had <laughs> never the money. buy a house, <laughs> um, it's the worst thing ever. You learned that at twenty one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I learned it then at buying a condo, but it's so different because now I'm now I'm renovating and. It's it's fucking sucks, man. Um, uh, contractors are are just. I I, I don't want to say all contractors, but the first guy that I ran into was just um, a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. Um, just remember, this is a good problem to have. Good what? This is a good problem to have in the grand scheme of problems. Is it though? I, I I think I'd give it up to not have had to be like I was too trusting. And so... Is that generally true? It's fucking piece of shit. Um, I don't know if it's generally true. I think I'm, I don't tend to be th- this trusting. He came into my life through a friend, and so then I, I trusted him by nature of trusting that friend. And, and this kid, who was your age, he was 22, um, and, and just kind of took advantage of the fact that I could afford to pay him to do things, and so so he wanted more money up front than he needed, or was was really allowed by the by the job itself, by the nature of of our work relationship. And I trusted that that money would go for what it was supposed to. And he lied to me about a lot of things. Um, and it was in his own mind. I'm sure it was there was the the guise of it being to my best interest he was living a lie i assume um although he's a terrible liar he's like one of the worst liars i've ever met this guy's Um, really gotten to you he just doesn't he 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 just doesn't say anything um and thinks that he's kind of (laughs) pulled the wool over your eyes um but he's like entirely full of shit I, i i think he's uh yeah, I mean, he's clearly a pathological li- liar. and and Are you upset with him, or are you upset at yourself for being so trusted? 
No, I, I, I will trust. I, I have no problem stepping back into that place. I, for me, it was valuable because now I know not. I know a lot of warning signs now. I, I can see more red flags, and I'm well aware of what not to do. But I can still be as trusting. That that I, I think. Yeah, there's no part of me that wants to like avoid trust to avoid the pain. That's especially a lonely life. If, if, what? If, if you don't, if you can't trust anyone, that's especially lonely. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, that's not. I'm not trying to take that out of the equation, um, and I'm not mad at myself for that at all. I did the right thing. He did the wrong thing, um, and I'm sure there's more hell to pay on on his side of things than than like the the anguish that it's caused me in in the feeling of of being betrayed the way that he betrayed me so it is what it is it's a life lesson and i move on and it'll it'll be good in the future but it's definitely like eight months of my life is is a a bit of a wash in uh in this experience because Mm. he was totally manipulating the the uh the relationship the business relationship in in his favor and I, I took a little while to like catch on. Um, yeah, fucking people can be fucked up. <laughs> uh, I mean, ultimately, I think he's just a dumb, a dumb kid. Mm-hmm. Just think he made a huge fucking mistake. And I have been um, battling with how far to take my anger. Yes, I mean, because, you know, there are legal actions that can be taken, right. and it would uh, it would end up costing me a lot of time, which is the most valuable aspect of this. The money, I, I, I would gladly go broke destroying this kid because of, because it's, I feel so wronged, uh, and he's consciously made the decision to lie to me mm-hmm. over and over again and so like I, there's part of me that like wants to watch as his life crumbles um but then you look but at then your I'm heart also like i i have to have some level of compassion for this kid who's trying to figure out life and made a huge fucking mistake my honest problem is uh that if he if he could just be honest with me if he could just tell me the truth about any aspect of this um and be upfront about what he did. I would I would have a lot more compassion for him. Mm. But it, but like to my face, he's just decided that it's it's not worth it to break. He's committed so hard that he's just like. And that hurts you. Yeah, just like it's it's about I, I can't see his humanity if he's continuing to be a villain. Like he's choosing to be a total piece of shit. Well, then I'll treat you like a total piece of shit. That's 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 what ends up being the the that's how that play ends um in in the fantasy but i don't think uh hopefully it doesn't come to that but we'll see i hope i hope it doesn't um i i yeah for your your fantasy of of my imagination you really got that out there you really just sort of oh i've thought about it a lot yeah well you articulated it pretty well but Uh, i i know we have to go so i want to ask you oh yeah yeah here we are yeah. You've talked a lot about in this hour um, about what makes people move forward, which is money, fame, or success, or 
these sort of uh, maybe more superficial things. That or a sociopath coming into your life? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I want to know uh, what is happiness to you right now? Love is probably the real answer to that question. It's like oversimplified. It's an oversimplified answer and probably cliche to some degree, but because love is the root of passion, desire, drive, um, creative decisions. You know, when, you, when you're working on something passionately, when you're working on a, a movie in any capacity, or TV, or a short film, or writing something with your friend, it's when you start fighting for something, when you start having a debate about something, your it's your love that's driving it your uh, and and i think if you follow your heart that that always ends in happiness but like your true heart i don't know if that makes sense god that sounded super corny probably to to you know everyone can decide how they take that i guess i think it was good um It's a, I, th- I think that's maybe the hardest question I've ever been asked to answer. I think happiness is different for everybody. Yeah. What is your happiness? <laughs> um, that answer changes. And, uh, yeah, falling in love would be good. That'd be a good first step. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. <laughs> You're waiting to fall in love. That'd be nice. Yeah. I think if you look for it, it doesn't happen. Mm, probably not. But I might I might be wrong. That's always what people told me. Did you fall did you fall in love? I fall in love, yeah. I'm in love right now. How's that? It's great. It's it's a it's a roller coaster cuz you kind of go through dips and and you know, I think there's like that dream where you see like two 80-year-old people and they're holding each other's hands. And you're kiss, smiling now, they, by the way. They kiss each other. Am I? Good. Uh, and they kiss each other passionately. And you're like, oh, that's what love is. Love is those people have probably loved each other for 60 years or 70 years. <laughs> and and that's what love is. Is like two people who still want to make out in public after 70 years and, right. and still hold each other's hand. and And you don't see the the work that it took to get there maybe or maybe with some people it's fairly easy um but for me i've experienced and and through my parents relationships um i've probably learned a lot there too but it's uh for me it's a it's a struggle it's you know that because i have my own self-doubt and and my own issues of as we've worked out here in therapy uh for the last hour and a half um (laughs) you know there are things that you have to forego of your own ambition not ambition of your own ego to accommodate and care for another person and and um that that's not always you know there are conflicting moments in going through that and so it's there's ups and ups and downs and i think i had 
I've kind of like recently gotten to the top of a little mountain with her and you know that's great isn't it we're there together yeah it's it's phenomenal it's phenomenal to be able to kind of like and and perhaps it's not even we're not even at the top of it because that implies that we're going down at some point I, I think we're we've elevated now some sort of higher altitude yeah so some something valuable has happened recently where we both go oh this is we're both more aware of something you know this the struggle that we were going through feels like it's it's easier right now it's we're on the same page my dad always, my dad always used to put it in terms of like rhythm and so there are times where you're out of rhythm where you're you know you're playing the drums and she's on bass and you guys aren't playing the same song and and right now we're playing the same song and we're fucking killing it <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun um i'm really happy for you Thank you. And uh, we can check back in in 60 years and see if you guys are still playing the same yeah, tune. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Probably a different tune. Um, if it goes right, it probably... Who knows, man? This might be uh, a Freebird. The 60-year song. I'm all for that. <laughs> My man. Uh, Martin, thank you so much for... Thank you for uh, having me, Sam. doing the podcast. Special thanks this week to the team at Brigade for helping arrange this conversation. Shout out also to Elizabeth Duran and Mike Keegan for letting us record at the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco. Be sure to check out Martin in Infinity Baby once it receives a theatrical date later in 2017. Of course, you can check out Star on HBO's Silicon Valley. It returned this past Sunday, and season four looks to be a good one. And lastly, a big thanks to Martin for taking the time to talk. Some other past episodes you may like if Martin Starr was your jam. We had Reggie Watson, Noel Wells, Eric Andre, Ben Schwartz, Lauren Lapkus, and many more. You can find all those on our website at www.talkeasypod.com, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Our music this week is by Jin Sang and Vanilla. Our executive producer is David Chen, graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shanoi. Our associate producer is Valerie Ettenhofer. And the show is produced by Nora Knight. I'm Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you next week. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. You know, I love music, but I haven't picked up an instrument in years. You know why? I tell myself, I don't have time. Where am I going to find a teacher? Well, there's an answer. Musora. Musora is the place where you can learn essential skills and techniques with more than a hundred of the world's best teachers and musicians and thousands of famous songs. You get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 per month, less than a single private lesson. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com to start a new musical journey today.